I got it! When I first heard about Dave being trapped in a maze. One, two, three, four! I built a labyrinth. Can you believe this? Dave is trapped in a cardboard maze in his living room and he can't get out. Welcome to Dave Made a Minute, the podcast where a whole bunch of us are exploring the film Dave Made a Maze one minute at a time. The twist. Many of the participants have never seen the film. Some don't even know what film they're sampling. They get their minutes and they tackle them as they see fit. Here's your host from the Groundhog Day Project and Michael Myers Minute, Robert Black. Minute 68, Gordon leads the Minotaur away and the film crew joins Dave and Annie in the Chrysalis Chamber. To tackle Minute 68, we have Eric Nash of Watchmen Minute and Connor Coulson of Prometheus Minute. You come home, there's a giant maze in your living room. You're like, what the... There's a giant maze in my living room. I've heard of people rearranging the furniture, but this is wackadoodle crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Did I promise? Did I promise? It's like a fucking cocktail party in here. If I get a few words from you before you go. Okay, and we're back. This is uh, Eric Nash and Connor Coulson. Say hi. Hello. For a minute 68 of Dave made a minute. Or, yeah, Dave made a minute. <laughs> it's so much fun we had to come back again. Yeah. Covering Dave made a maze that, that Connor has now, I believe, seen, right? Yes, of, of now, I now understand just what it is that I saw in the last episode that we were on. Right. And I'm surprised I actually, I got pretty close. I wasn't too far off <laughs> in what I imagined was happening. Cool. And I still haven't seen it yet though. Oh. So. It'll it'll still be in, pretty interesting, I think, when I when I do get, get around to seeing it soon here, since this this will be I'm pretty sure the last minute I'll do. Yeah, this is a really this minute has so many elements that really only make sense in context. So this will be interesting. <laughs> um, and I believe we you know we'd still be looking for uh, just to keep a reminder out there for a bread roll, and and I have to say I don't think I saw one. No one ever did. I tried, couldn't see it. And you might understand what that means. Yes, <laughs> now I know the context of listening to yeah. the show. So um, apparently one of the crew members, because catering just got a little bit too mm-hmm. uh, excited with the bread rolls, offered way too many. So one of the crew members started hiding them everywhere in characters' <laughs> backpacks, in the ceiling. But uh, as far as I'm aware, no one's actually found one on screen. Um, well, so, uh, at the beginning here a little bit, uh, you know, it's, uh, 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 Gordon running around. Yeah, we should uh, say this minute opens with Gordon yeah. tr- trying to lure the Minotaur through the maze uh-huh. uh, away from the rest of the gang who are trying to activate the chrysalis and ends with it's. I, I think it's Dave doing a creepy face. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. And, and more. In more general, the way it ends to me. I mean, it's. It's this. It's what I think might be the. Maybe it's the climax. Kind of. I would. Or you're getting close to the climax. An important has a third act of, of this. Chrysalis, I think, is what they're in front of. Opening. Mm. <laughs> because they plug it in. <laughs> there are so many great visuals in this minute it, it's it's this is i mean I, i'd have to compare all 
Is one of them, like, say, like, the playing cards? I mean, yeah, you've got the playing cards, you've yeah. got the Minotaur, you've got the Chrysalis. It's not the, nor- it's not a lot, like, like the last minute we did, it was very much all the cardboard beige brown color. Mm. So this, this to me, for the, for being in the maze, it's, there is, there is some of that still that we see for, for how the maze is constructed, but. Yeah, I think if I had to show someone one minute just to sell them on, this is how crazy yeah. and creative this movie gets, I think this would be the one, or Ooh. maybe the, um, the vagina hallway. Ooh. Interesting. Which you will learn about. <laughs> the Minotaur itself, so, yeah, that got me going down a bit of a uh, rabbit hole going. <laughs> so the Minotaur in mythology, that's, it's actually in a labyrinth. And then I went, wait, so what's a labyrinth? What's a maze? So, so I've done my research here. So the difference between a maze and a labyrinth, uh, the latter is universal, meaning there is only one path to follow, where a maze has many branches, multicursal, if you will. So um, it, it's... Is Dave's maze actually a maze? Because if you know a bit of behind-the-scenes trivia, they didn't use the same sets more than once because they had to. There wasn't enough space. Yeah. They had to tear it down and then build the next part of the maze. So, if it's a continuous path, is that a labyrinth? <laughs> I'm not sure. I guess we will never know because we don't, yeah. unless we got like a bird's eye view and saw if there was different branches and stuff that didn't go down. It's it's all open to interpretation. Hmm. In minutes 27 and 28 in what I call the serial killer room, there is a map of the maze on the wall. There's also a diagram of a map that I've posted on Instagram, Dave made a minute, that shows a behind the scenes map that they diagrammed. That does indeed show that it is multicursal, so it is technically a maze. Also, Gordon's definition, that just because it has booby traps, it is a labyrinth. Otherwise, it would be a series of articulated hallways. Probably the only place that definition has ever happened is in this film. So, it is a maze. And a labyrinth. But, and... Sorry, go to the top. I am... I don't know why I'm just getting so distracted by all these different notes. I've got too many ideas. I've got too, um, my brain is multicursal. <laughs> um, but yeah, the origins of mazes, that's also quite fascinating because why would anyone build that? Where did that start? Uh, and as, there doesn't seem to be a very direct answer, but from what they've been able to surmise, archaeologists found the oldest example, uh, or the earliest mention, is in 5 BCE. Herodotus uh, described one in Egypt, a labyrinth. And a lot of the earliest mazes were labyrinths, and it was just sort of a spiritual or meditative oh, yeah. experience. It wasn't a matter of just getting lost. It was, no, you're actually making your way to a center for a purpose. Um, I'm familiar with those. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've little pretty mini ones. I've, I've walked some. And I think I much prefer labyrinths because <laughs> recently I went to. There's these Christmas displays in the city, hmm. and one of them was this transparent light up maze. So it's like you know perspex or plexiglass or something like that. 
And I was really hesitant to enter because I just felt there's this power, powerlessness. You feel trapped. It's, it's not, claustro- I'm not claustrophobic, but it's, I don't think the human brain is made to deal with that sort of environment very well. The idea of you can move freely, the seemingly infinite space, but you're trapped mm-hmm. and you're lost. <laughs> That's fascinating to me. So I have to wonder if mazes were sort of meant as a, a kind of psychological puzzle. Uh, as far as I can tell, it was more of a, a game or just a decorative feature in a lot of um, medieval gardens. I wasn't mm-hmm. surprised to find that mazes, the hedge maze, originated yes. in medieval Europe. It's they, Those two images seem, or those two concepts seem quite synonymous in my mind. And, yeah, it, 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 that's what they found fun back in the day, apparently. Do you have any observations? I feel like I talk too much, so... No, you, you're fine. Um, you know, it, it, you, at one point you were talking a bit about this Minotaur monster, and I'm, I just mm-hmm. called her monster the whole time in my notes, or, you know... And, and the, the biggest thing I had to say about that was just, it, now, and it might seem like a bit of a negative, but I think it's, I think it's fine, but it's, it's a bit of the old trope of, um, what, um, um, Gordon is doing is leading it away from, I think, the rest of the group here, or, you know, two parts of the group <laughs> or, or something, um, leading it away from what's going on there that, that we're seeing in the rest of this minute. Yeah. So, uh, you know, whether that's good or bad is, is all up to, I think, uh, some interpretation by any one viewer. I have to, that, that's the only real living creature sort of in this maze, Mm -hmm. um, in, okay, well, the, uh, oh god, we talked about her in the previous minute, the one who, I think it's Annie, gets possessed and turns into the marionette, and so she was, Someone who came from the outside and then became something else. So actually, I think that was that that was Bryn. No, yeah, it was Bryn. Bryn. And yeah, so okay, she came. She was a living person from the outside of the maze, and she became something else. Does that mean the Minotaur? That's not what's happening. Oh, okay, maybe that is what's happening with the Minotaur. Yeah, maybe he was someone else who stumbled in. Maybe he was like, I don't know, a delivery guy or the landlord or something. And he's like, what's going on in here? And then he crawls into the maze and he becomes a minotaur. That's that's my head cool. cannon. Okay. This one is especially amusing because Connor has seen the film now and he's still inventing things for what's going on. Um, I wanted to look into if there were any other uh, references in this movie to the actual, um, is it Theseus or Perseus? No, it's Theseus. Uh, Theseus and the Minotaur story, uh, which is a wild story. I mean, oh man, those Greeks, they were really into zoophilia and just, oh man, I could go on about how great Greek myths are. But, um, yeah, they, King, oh, Minus, yes, Minotaur, Minus. So Minus, uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the the history of of his backstory because it was um, 
I'll just read straight from the wiki page. It just, it's gets sure. to the point. Uh, after he ascended to the throne of the island of Crete, Minos competed with his brothers to rule. Minos prayed to Poseidon, the sea god, to send him a snow-white bull as a sign of support. He was to kill the bull to show honour to the deity, but decided to keep it instead because of its beauty. He thought Poseidon would not care if he kept the white bull and sacrificed one of his own. To punish Minos, Poseidon made uh, Pasiphae, Minos's wife, fall deeply in love with the bull. Pasiphae uh, had craftsman Daedalus, as in Icarus and Daedalus, make a hollow wooden cow and climbed inside in order to mate with the white bull. I don't want to know how that worked. The offspring was the monstrous Minotaur. Uh, Pasiphae nursed him, but he grew and became ferocious, becoming the unnatural offspring of a woman and a beast who had no natural source of nourishment and thus devoured humans for sustenance. Well, that's natural. I don't think humans are natural. <laughs> Minos, after getting advice from the oracle at Delphi, uh, had Daedalus construct a gigantic labyrinth to hold the Minotaur. And so he had to uh, sacrifice... I think it's four, It's exactly 14 people to the Minotaur yeah. every year and one year. Theseus uh, was involved in that, and he used a piece of string to get himself out. So we're not really seeing any of those elements in Dave Made a Maze, which is fine. Um, but god damn, that's a weird story. Like, Dave Made a Maze is a <laughs> but the origins of the Minotaur. That's, that's like... Um, oh god, what's the... Um, I can, uh, is that the, the, aristic, the aristocrats joke where it's yeah. just getting dirtier and weirder uh-huh. and just trying to be offensive for the sake of it? Man, those Greeks knew how to have fun. And, and it's very much an insider joke thing that's done for comedians, stand-up comedians. Um, and, and that actually goes to one of my next points is that, um, uh, things I'd like to bring up that's happening here in a minute is that, um, um, uh, Harry, Harry, and the boom operator show up, and I, I kind of pictured Harry mm-hmm. before, if you recall, uh, ten episodes ago. Ago, um, uh, I kind of pictured him as like a as the director, and he is doing that in this minute um, with, and he's using this terminology I had to look up: cheat out. This this insider oh, yeah. terminology that certainly the movie makers, the people behind this movie, certainly would know, but. Um, uh, and, and, and what it is, is I'll, I'll, I'll say what I found when I Googled it is, is to cheat out is to turn your face or entire body either out to the audience or camera to be seen better without completely turning. So it still looks natural, but you are not completely in profile or to face or to All face right. into conceal something. something like that. Which, yeah, that's definitely what's happening with his documentary is that he's, He's orchestrating mm-hmm. and directing to to create a certain uh, narrative that he okay. wants to tell. It, it's not about what's <laughs> actually going on. It's not about uh, what are they used to a cinema dogma where it's like as realistic as possible. Mm-hmm. Huh. I think what Connor is referring to is what's known as Dogma ninety five. Pause a moment for reflection. Dogma dictates the director must not be credited. Dogma also states that you cannot use any special effects or filters, so no superimposed title. Dogma forbids genre films, so no westerns, no science fiction, or in this case, no gangster films. 
Also, the films must take place here and now. Furthermore, you must not have any sounds that are recorded separately from the image. So banish your big orchestral soundtrack, your overdubbed gunshots, and your voiceover. The sounds must be real. And widescreen, that big cinematic experience, is also proscribed. Instead, dogma filmmakers must use the squarer academy ratio, like the early silent films and everyday television. On top of that, shooting must be done on 35mm film stock, a rule which we'll discover hasn't been that easy for the brethren to obey. Further stripping away the artifice, all those smooth tracking shots and steadying tripods, well, you can't have them either. Everything must be handheld. This further simplifies production, making it possible to film with fewer crew members and less equipment. Oh, yes! Dogma demands there be no superficial action. So purge the story of weapons and murders, and all those pretentious, arty filmmakers can kiss their black and white goodbye. Dogma films are exclusively in color, and vital to the whole ethos of Back to Basics production. Special lighting is unacceptable. Natural lighting, or lights found on location, are all you've got to work with. And finally, absolutely no sets or props are permitted. So all filming is on location, and you use what you find there. Taken all together, these ten rules can save directors from the vices and the tricks of the trade that they so often succumb to. They must redeem themselves by forcing the truth out of characters and settings at the cost of any good taste or aesthetic consideration. Not on this page, okay. There we go. And, and it takes a little while, but when when they do show up in in the, the in this, uh, I'm guessing like a main central room that they've come to to do this thing with the chrysalis mm. and so forth, open have it open up and and so forth. Um, uh, you know, it does seem like Dave and uh, Annie are a little bit surprised that that this crew. So maybe this is the the first meeting with them. I'm guessing. Um, maybe maybe not. Who knows? But and I also noticed that there is one less person in their crew. You know that Gordon is running around, but there was the uh, other, um, besides the uh, Mike Boom operator. Um, there was, I thought, another guy, wasn't there? Last minute. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we have. We've yeah. lost somebody. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's that's the advantage of having watched it. I go, oh right, so that connects yeah. to this and that. Yeah. You're gonna have to watch it more times. <laughs> And like I said, Annie plugs it in and, and, uh, one of the interesting that things then, um, though that one last little thing I'd like to bring up, uh, with Gordon still cutting it, cutting in and, and he's, uh, you know, being excited and trying to get the Minotaur to follow him. And, and one thing, one, one last thing he kind of uses to lure the Minotaur is he says, I sure hope there's some pizza left in that apartment. <laughs> and. So, well, so, so I'm, I'm guessing one thing. I'm, people, one so. thing I'm guessing is the apartment is is the rest of the space that they're in, that the maze is inside of. I think, right? Um, yeah. So Dave builds the maze inside his apartment, and it's like a TARDIS. Yeah, right. It's oh, yeah. way bigger on the inside. Um, and so, so just to get to it real quick, is uh, I, I I was just curious with uh, you, Connor. I don't know if you're f- too familiar with it, but. Uh, there is the uh, big hullabaloo uh, concerning pizza and pineapple. What's your take? 
Oh yes. I don't know if you've officially waited not on on uh, on any podcast <laughs> or not. Uh, it might have actually been on the Watchmen okay. minute we talked about. It might have been. Uh, I I will just uh, state for for public record that uh, sweet things and savory things should oh, never yeah. come together in in such a way. <laughs> I, I that's unnatural. But in Australia, so we often put beetroot on on hamburgers. We, that's sort of that's very much an, an Australian thing. Um, pineapples are also another thing we seem to add. Um, not a fan personally. <laughs> Okay, well, let's. If if it hadn't been official before, it is now, and 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 uh, I I throw I throw in with that too, and it's a big uh, shout out yeah. to uh, Mogwai Minute, especially with uh, George Neal. I think it all kind of started out there, and it's grown and grown and grown. Oh, that's where I talked uh, about it. Yes, it was cool. <laughs> um, but I actually quite like um, so uh, you know doing keto kind mm-hmm. of potato pizza but i've been making um rutabaga or turnip pizza so maybe i'm the weird <laughs> one here <laughs> it's good don't mock it till you try it i'm pre- i'm pretty sure i've tried pineapple on pizza so i i try other things too but i'm pretty sure i wasn't too crazy about it so i've, yeah, I've tried away it's, for it's quite I don't think it's as horrendous as some people. Like oh, some people yeah. have a real <laughs> visceral reaction. Oh, it's, it's that classic Die Hard as a Christmas movie or not? You know, <laughs> it's just something for people to get really excited about. <laughs> yes. But I'm having fun with it. Yeah, it is one of those debates that people. Oh, and the other one is. Um... Oh, uh... oh, there's a few actually coming to mind at the same time. It keeps happening to me where I go. Oh, the um, learning to drive oh, manual yeah. or automatic. Nowadays, people will just get into really heated debates, and ultimately, it's a personal decision. Whatever you need to do with your car, it's up to you, man. Uh, also, the toilet roll. <laughs> yeah, Does right. the paper go over the top or underneath? People will die on that hill. By the way, if you look at the original patent for toilet paper, you are in fact supposed to put the paper over the top. So that's where I sat on this. Um, um, my final note for this minute was just that I I really love this movie. When I first watched it, you know, the plot didn't blow me away. I, I, I'm someone who tends to focus a lot on scripts. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm, I, I read a lot of books as well, so I'm very focused on that. But that's not what movies necessarily have to be. I think movies can very much just be this experience, this dreamlike sensory experience. And, and that's what movies do very well. And I think Dave Made a Minute definitely does that. It's, it reminds me of, um, I think you pronounce it George Melies. The uh, French illusionist and filmmaker. He did the Trip to the Moon oh, wow. and, yeah. and all of those early films. Yeah, it really reminds me of that, where it's it's so yeah. creative and the visuals are so surprising. And I think what's even more impressive is that Dave Made a Maze achieved so much with so little. And after listening to behind the scenes stuff, I realized. They were even working in in you know a tighter uh, budget and time frame and everything. It's 
seriously incredible. And it, there is, it, it really grows on you. It's very much, as I said, an experience that, like, a, it, like any good cult movie, you walk away and go, oh, yeah, that was okay. And you yeah, keep thinking yeah. about it and thinking about it, and especially revisiting this minute. I just thought, wow, the the bullhead and the chrysalis, like, this is some seriously clever stuff. You don't see this very often. I remember something different, and part of memories that faded into nothing, until you found me here. The pictures inside my head look perfect, but they sure can't help me, because they can scratch the surface. Very cool. Um, so, uh, anything else? I believe that's everything, but left to my own devices, I'm oh, sure, talking yeah. forever. <laughs> okay, and uh, you want to do a plug for your wonderful podcast and anything else? Your, other, your website oh, stuff? Thank you. Uh, so uh, I have been and continue to be Connor Colson of Prometheus by a Minute. You can find me on TraviandDesigns.com, T-R-A-V-I-A-N, or... Prometheus by a Minute on Facebook. Uh, I'm also Connor Colson Prime on Instagram. If you want to see my um, my fashion, my outfits, and my cooking, uh, I believe that's everything I'm up to cool. right now. Um, and that is a wonderful podcast that I do listen to, Prometheus Minute by Minute. Um, and my podcast uh, with my co-host Travis Bow is Watch My Minute. And we're doing the same thing as this, uh, this and Prometheus, uh, have done. Um, going over that movie, uh, the 2009, uh, Zack Snyder film, superhero-ish, <laughs> um, uh, one minute at a time. And, uh, upcoming for me, uh, later this year, um, 2019, uh, will be Almost Famous Minute. And you can just pretty easily Google those things, especially if you use old quotes. You know, around them, um, get your right to everything you need, uh, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or the, their main websites and so forth. And oh, I think my minutes should be coming up for Watchmen soon. I'm a bit behind on that show. And yeah, Watchmen is Watchmen minute, I should say. It, yeah, you really are doing it justice. I think oh, it's you. a movie that I've come back to a lot. And going, how do I feel about? It? Oh, this is good. This is bad. And I think I think you guys have a pretty balanced view. You don't pretend it's yeah. perfect, but you don't, you know, dogpile on it as was the trend at the time when it came out. Uh, same thing with Prometheus. People just dogpiled on it. Yeah. And, and I like to think we are here to defend controversial films. Yeah, and I like to think how how we we've been able to get some uh, really good differing views on it too. You know, we're not we're not going to shut anyone out that. Uh, Certainly doesn't like it. Uh, mm. For instance, uh, there was the, the the Marvel editor Jordan White. We had him on for a couple of minutes there, or so um, uh, quite a few months back since we've been on hiatus. But uh, at the time of this uh, releasing, uh, we have just uh, arrived back on the scene after our few month long hiatus with our most recent episodes. Oh yeah! So hope everyone gets to listen to, gets to listen to. Uh, all of these uh, wonderful movies by minutes, and uh, of course, there's moviesbyminutes.com and the originators Pete and Alex that we'd like to thank too, and of course, uh, Robert Black, great guy, uh, arranging this and uh, being involved with uh, or getting involved with uh, our uh, cult leader. <laughs> yeah, getting involved with uh, the creators of the of this movie. They've made a maze. Okay, so. Uh, 
possibly until next time, but maybe not uh, on, on this podcast. Uh, we might see you, maybe not. But um, otherwise, uh, enjoy the rest of the movie, and we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye. And then I can probably disarm all the traps, and then we can, we can finish this maze. Who is with me? That was Eric Nash of Watchmen Minute and Connor Colson of Prometheus Minute taking on Minute 68 of Dave Made a Maze. They may have escaped the maze. Next time, on Dave Made a Minute, we've got Andy Nelson and Pete Wright of the Next Real Podcast taking on Minute 69. Thank you for listening to Dave Made a Minute. Intro dialogue snippets were taken from Dave Made a Maze, directed by Bill Watterson, written by Bill Watterson and Steve Sears, and produced by John Charles Meyer. Intro music is Diversion by The Equals, featured in the film Dave Made a Maze, and Life Cycle of a Match by Parvis Decree. Outro music is Leaving This Godforsaken Place and Her Presence is Strong Here by Parvis Decree. Dave Made a Minute is a production of Lemming Drop Studio and all other featured podcast producers. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Dave Made a Minute. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. And check out all of the participants' other shows to spread the love around. Again, thank you for listening. As long as we're all working together, this is going to be fine. It's going to be great. I need you to notify the families of everyone who died here today. Totally. Wait, what? What it's like to be frustrated in life and try to make to somebody stepping into your shoes five years ago? Um, get a fucking real job, bum. <laughs>